It's not full service in the sense that old-fashioned AM radio used to be with, oh, no. on the morning show with songs, an occasional yeah, song here right, and there, and right. then chatter by the... But I was thinking about... I remember you know, sitting there last night at PK Park and looking at them, and I spent some time in that city and lived in Cottage Grove, and thus the big trip to the city for us. We, we would take the Greyhound bus on occasion from Cottage Grove to the bus depot in Eugene, and then just roam around as high school kids for a while in the big city and get back on the bus. And I'm, I'm, envisioning, I'm envisioning the Waltons going down to Igodzi's <laughs> yeah. store. Did you have shoes on when you were <laughs> We did that? have shoes, yeah. I mean, our, you know, just one pair to last several years. But no, <laughs> we did have shoes, and but that's okay. So, Eugene, I mean, I've spent some time there, and, and, no, and it just thinking about this is it and remembering, I mean, there's two songs that come to mind. One is uh, uh, Jim Reeves, you know, uh, this is it. Uh, you'll find another love, he says, but this is it for me. You know, <laughs> one of those great l- lamenting country music tunes. But then there was another one, I think, by Huey Lewis in the News, If This Is It. Oh, yeah, great and song. It's, well, okay. I like it, too, but I remember, it, yeah. Let there you go. Na, 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 That's right. Na, na. Great song. I love well, it. I'm going to listen okay, to Huey Lewis okay. on the way home. I, I like Huey Lewis, too, and <laughs> I like that song, too, but I remember one morning, sometimes when the opinions of people you do like and you hear their opinion of something, mm-hmm. oh, yes, no, maybe I shouldn't like it. You know, I was <laughs> well, listening like to I told you the other day, <laughs> Boss Gags. <laughs> yeah. Jane said, I hate them. I was in freshman year, and I'm like, okay, I hate them now forever. And I thought that was Gordon Lightfoot, or was it Boz Well, Gaggs? it started out with Gordon Lightfoot, but I thought it was them, but it turned out to be Boz <laughs> Jane may have hated Gordon, too. Yeah, you just yeah, right. had to take your cues from her. You liked her so much. <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, that if this is it, <laughs> played back in the old days, KUGN had a morning show that was quite good, actually, and, and anybody listening here... Did any of you ever hear these folks? They were a trio together for a long time and funny, entertaining, good. Your old Uncle Fuzzy is what he called. Dale Reed called himself, this is your old Uncle Fuzzy. <laughs> and with Wendy Ray and, and Fred Webb, they were a fixture in that market for many years, and they were good. Yeah. They, their show was funny, entertaining, and good. But I remember one day, Fuzzy played... You know, I mean, in the midst of all their chatter and banter, played Huey Lewis as well. Here we go, Huey Lewis, if this is it. And then when it was over, Fred said something. I mean, uh, your old Uncle Fuzzy, Dale Reed, said, Yeah, that's Huey Lewis, if this is it. And if that's it, that ain't much. (laughs) Something to that effect after we just played the song. And I remember driving or listening and thinking, huh. I thought I kind of liked that song, but I guess I shouldn't. <laughs> no, don't don't let him ruin it for you. Don't so, let Jane ruin it. But for I've me. always exactly. I've always ever since that song. I like the Huey Lewis uh, body of work, generally speaking. But sure. when if this is it comes on, I can't help but think of the the diss that your old uncle Fuzzy gave it back in the eighties. Good morning, John. Good to see you. And I, I was at PK Park last night. Watching a good ball game. That was a good baseball game. It was. Game. It I don't was. know how else to put it. It was. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts about it, feel free to jump in. It had a lot of different elements to it. In a four to two game, I had to let go in the pitchers eighth. used. I had to let go in the eighth, but I was confident. I was confident that I could turn the radio off. And you watched the live stream, which yeah. I hear uh, for most of well it. Well done. To I some think of it. The, the, it's uh, Joey Mack. Doing his yeah, work and what? Jordan Brenner is it Jordan? Mm. I know the last name. I can't even is remember Brenner. I met him. Nice kid. Met him before the game. We ch- chatted a little. Young, bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, young, and but I, 
I heard good things about it. If you have any thoughts about the game as it played out, if you attended the game, you said, Doc, that the camera shots did not seem to really show much orange and black right. in the stands. And and I will say this, and I was actually glad to see it and even said it during the broadcast. Yeah, There were more Oregon fans than usual for that kind of, uh, Tuesday night game. Uh-huh. And I said, that's good. Yeah, I mean, th- that team, that program, they're playing well. They're having a good year. There should be more fans engaged down there yeah. in Oregon baseball. There just should be. For the game alone, you want yeah. to see that, that, that every property is doing well, now, at least in that respect. Yeah, you don't it, want them to be good on the field. I the love time. the fact that Beaver Nation went in, in great numbers, but I have seen a lot of games where Beaver Nation outnumbered clearly, the Oregon fans, clearly. but not last night. I, I would say that's louder. not the case last night. Okay, good. Maybe maybe 50-50, maybe, maybe even a few more Oregon fans. If you were in the stands, I can't, I can't see everything, I can't hear everything, mm-hmm. but I, I did say at one point, it sounds like Goss Stadium in here after it did. some sort of big play that the Beavers made, either yeah. the Boyd Homer or the yeah. Boyd Catch, you could hear Beaver fans uh, reveling in those moments. And as I was playing those highlights back, thanks for yeah. telling them to do that, by the way, as I was playing those highlights back, it sounded like it was all Beaver Nation. In the ballpark. Boy, the, but the camera angle, which I was talking about yeah. this morning, behind the pitcher so you can see the pitch, it was all fine. Everything was great. Uh, I only counted two orange shirts, mm-hmm. and it was a fairly wide. I mean, it was okay. It was a, a, an okay representation of that section of the stands. It's not like they were zoomed in and you could only see five people, and I counted two out of five. It was, And so that got me to wondering if there was a, a large contingent. They just must not have been wearing orange because they were certainly loud, Beaver fans. Yeah, and either that, too, the, 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 most of the Beaver fans were concentrated behind the Beaver dugout on the okay. third base side. And, and I so never that saw that. So that camera angle, you may, no. that may have not have picked them up. Never saw it. Any, any shot from looking at the hitter, looking at a right-handed hitter with the dugout in the background, didn't go high enough to show yes, the crowd. Yes, okay. But I thought it, I thought Beaver Nation is always represented well there, but I just liked the nature of the ball game, a midweek game that had some drama to it, some compelling elements. The Beavers turning three double plays, Justin Boyd pulling back a home run, mm-hmm. Justin Boyd hitting a two-run home run, yeah. Mitchell Verberg doing good things again, Ryan Brown continues to come in late yeah. and deal. I just, I like the signs. I like what's going on. I thought uh, Boyd's home run was a home run off the bat. Well, you, you, you clearly read it thus a little bit better than I did. I wasn't sure. Well, you were closer. I, I just thought, man, Yo, he like hit he it well. No, he hit that ball well, but yeah. I had seen a couple of balls hit that were caught. Yes. Deep, and I thought, well, maybe the, maybe the ball isn't going very well. Yeah. And it came off the bat. I wasn't completely sure. I remember you saying that. But... He crushed it. And then the home run that he pulled back, it's interesting mm-hmm. to me. That was near the shorter fence. In well, Hawaii. see, the th- that's you bring up the point I wanted to get to. If you heard the pregame at all, and I don't know if you did, but I, I talked know. about some of the changes. Uh-huh. And yesterday when Dave outside of Sandy blessed us after yeah. our wonderful roadshow experience and sublimity at Power man. Motorsports. Dave said, I'm taking you guys to lunch. And we went to the Wooden Nickel. The Wooden Nickel, uh, which was recommended great. to us yes, during the show. Several people recommended it. And it was, it it was, was fantastic. It was great. And Dave Dave bought us lunch. And so we thank you for that, Dave. We hope to return the favor someday yeah. at another roadshow down the road. But that was really cool. But you knew, 
and I, I kind of sat a little adjacent. You guys did most of the talking, but you saw me at work yeah. doing research. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to bug you. No, I, I know what that's like. You know what it's like. I had to try to get some last-minute notes and things done about PK Park, about the future of the ballpark that Kate Rogerson had right. referred to in our conversation. Where exactly does this stand? How much is it going to cost? Who's paying for it? She had mentioned uh, Civic Park. Civic and Park. And I you, knew exactly where Civic Stadium used to be. And I thought when she said Civic Park, well, you and I looked at each other, oh, she, meant she doesn't know the territory. She's from Boston. <laughs> she knows the curse of the Bambino. She doesn't know Civic Stadium. It right. is now called Civic Park. Right, because so she knows way more <laughs> right. than, than we will ever know. Which we weren't surprised when you looked it up. Yeah, so Civic Park is now where Civic Stadium in Eugene used to be. But so I'm doing, you know, I'm doing research over there, and then occasionally I'd hear you or Dave say something, and we'd all talk yeah, on that yeah. stuff. And I'd say, okay, I gotta I got to get back to the grind, get back to work here. So it was really a great experience. But in researching PK Park and the changes made in the ballpark, one of the things, and it was significant on the Justin Boyd pulling back the home run ball, in my estimation, uh-huh. for this reason. He had to leap up over the six and a half foot fence. I mean, when, when he caught the ball, yeah. his gloved hand was above the six and a half foot fence now as noted by carl masdam's photograph, photograph it's right. fantastic it is and i mentioned hank showed it to me immediately during the broadcast yeah. he said oh carl got a good and, and i mentioned it during the broadcast yeah. that carl masdam had gotten a great shot of that catch earlier in the game i'd been talking about i always enjoy working in the john conrad press box at pk park because of the tribute to the outstanding sports writer that John Conrad was. Mm-hmm. And they have tributes to John in that press box. You said you've been to PK no. Park but never been in there. No. But they did that up right with photographs of John when he was pitching for Oregon. He's out of Bandon High School and all the names and famous names in the history of uh, sports, primarily in Eugene, but Ken Go and other great writers mm-hmm. are on there. Photographers Brian Lanker made the major contribution to it because Brian, the late great sports photographer and photographer in general, but yeah. I know him and we know him primarily through his outstanding sports photography. Lanker made the initial major gift to create a memorial uh, press box for, for, for John Conrad and then many others Blaine Newham, Bud Weathers, Ron Bellamy, Ken Go. Yeah. Alberto Salazar, and many others came on board to contribute to the effort. And and I even said, you know, Lanker, Conrad, back in the day when the Register Guard was just a great sports section. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. They did a tremendous job. Now, albeit their coverage was weighted for the hometown school there, you sure, understand that, sure. but they covered the Beavers very well, too, with beat writers like Bud Weathers, devoted exclusively to Oregon State sports. And and so I miss those days of the guard. And I guess I'm just saying I miss those days yeah. of newspapers allotting and according that kind of space and coverage. Well, to and that's how a lot, of, a lot of people know uh, in the business know each other because if you – they, they, you'll always have a beat writer from the Oregonian, a beat writer from the Register Guard, and maybe some surrounding papers. Mm-hmm. And every Saturday you're at yeah. you're at Reeser Stadium, and so it's oh hey how you doing whatnot. Um, no, uh, I'd like days. to see that that memorial up there. It is good. It's well done, and, and a tribute to a guy who was just an outstanding writer. That everyone, I mean, Rich Brooks is on there. 
contributed to it. Rich had great respect for John as a as a guy who did his job. Fair, yeah. tough. He would ask some tough questions like the old beat writers would, but the coaches that were around him and knew him respected him. And I knew John a little bit. I went, mm. went for a couple of runs with he and Ken Go and Bob Clark years ago when we were all in L.A. at an event. We all went running along the Venice Beach, Santa Monica Pier area, and Conrad was dis- out-distancing us. <laughs> That's the Bill McCartney Award. We've out-distanced you. Yeah. In, in in being in athletics. But, yes, Conrad was a good man and a good writer. So I brought up Carl Masdam's photogra- uh, photograph of the great catch. Great work, Carl, by the way, if you're listening to the Joe Beaver Show today, and thank you for it. But had there been, think about this play for a moment. If the four-foot fence were still in play, yeah, four-foot, take two and a half feet off, what he left over to catch. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason they decided to go away from that little fence out there, the four-foot fence, was that there were outfielders who were falling over it or trying to make Mm -hmm. catches and tumbling over it. And Boyd would have had more to deal with going back on a ball like that. I'm saying that's a two-run homer, even though the distance is the same. They yeah. didn't move it yeah. in directly from there. They moved in the alleys at PK Park. My, I'm saying that if you're an outfielder racing back to try to make a play as Justin was and did, with a four-foot fence that you could fall over or stumble over rather than knowing that, hey, I can leap up as high as I can here, and if because I don't catch it, there's I bury into the fence. Yes. And I'm okay. A hundred percent agree. Psychologically, you're peripherally looking at, I don't know, what do they have, tables yeah. and chairs out there? And you're looking at that thinking, well, I can't yeah. I can't leap at an angle. Yes. I have to jump straight up like right. I'm getting a basketball rebound under right. the hoop. And that would be different than leaping up and at, at an, an angle. angle. Because the angle you exactly. know, the fence will hold you. Exactly. So we saw last night, and it worked out well for the Bees, maybe two things with Boyd. I said on the air, I don't think Boyd's home run in the old configuration with the alleys They've been moved in 10 to 12 feet. Uh, Probably wouldn't have gone. Might not have gone out because it just did jump over. But they've moved in from the alleys, and that was the... What did they do that for? To try to stimulate offense, and that's the world we live in. Got to get more offense. And that's... I I have, as we go today, Matt Keenan will be joining us from our Beaver Nation next on this damn proud day. It's one of the biggest fundraising days not only for Oregon State Athletics, but the entire university's mission. Damn proud day. And Matt will join us to talk about how that relates to athletics and how, in a very real sense, not too late for you if you're listening and and care about a certain program, sport, uh, endeavor at Oregon State, you can make a contribution today directly. And there are matching gifts that are coming, too. So you probably have already done it if you're aware of it. But if you haven't, we're going to talk to Matt Kanan about the import of this day here shortly. Then we'll have some open phone opportunities, and we will talk about the game of baseball on the big picture level. Yesterday, when, John, you were getting us on the air and set up in sublimity, and thanks to everybody up there. We had a great yeah, time at Power Motorsports, and, and for those of you that dropped by, thank you, and thank you for listening. But TJ and I engaged a bit on this week's issue of Sports Illustrated, which I find interesting in that Kayvon Thibodeau is on the cover with Aiden Hutchinson. 
And yet, when I just heard Rome in an excellent conversation with Joel Klatt, Klatt is really good. Yes. We have had the honor of having him on the Joe Beaver Show a couple of times before his star became so bright, we're no longer. I know. I've tried Joel a couple of times in the last few years. I still have his number, and I don't hear back. He's a good dude. I like Joel Klatt a lot, but... Back before he became the great Joel Klatt, right? He was he available was a, a, a to us, a local guy. He was really good. Pac-12, Colorado. He, yeah, he's, he's but, occasionally he's on in the morning with those guys. He's real good, and he is really good. I, I, I like his work a lot as an analyst. What he just did with Rome, but in talking about the edge rushers, Kavon's name didn't come up, and I'm curious about all of that. Here's Kavon Thibodeau on the cover of SI and. I'm curious about narratives and how they get started. And the, the word on Thibodeau that is out there, Yeah, it seems to me that GMs and personnel directors and scouts and all of that would know better, but there still seems to be at times a almost a succumbing to, well, what are people saying? Of, and, oh, Kayvon Thibodeau has too many outside interests. That's it. He, he's, he's got too many things outside of football that he's interested in. Does he really love football? So he's gone from this surefire number one pick right. to this idea that, well, he's talented and great, and he has a chance for a great career, but is he all in? But who's so he's dropped. That? Exactly. Who is determining that? I don't know. I mean, did he How say did he something in an interview that said, oh, you're Maybe. not fully invested? Maybe. And <laughs> Mario Cristobal himself, his former coach, in this article says, nobody, none of these evaluators have reached out to me, none. To say, what was he like, and how was he in the weight room, and what kind of leader was he? Cristobal says, I can't believe that. I was his coach, and, I, and nobody's talking to me about him. And wow. if they did, here's what I'd tell him. And, of course, he raves about him. But the whole process of this, he's 21 years old, and the upshot of this cover story in SI is, how does a young man try to wrest back control of his own story? It's almost impossible once this idea or narrative gets out it's there. Hard. Now, it may be true. Maybe he's not. Maybe he'll be an NFL bust because he cares more about other things. I, I, would say I doubt it, Ben though. Simmons cares about more things. I mean, that's a problem. Well, when you've got a lifer, when TJ and I were just yeah. talking about it, he was that way in college. You, I, I, I grew, you, we grew up with guys like that. Every generation, it's not a cultural thing. It's like there's always that guy who just doesn't want to do anything. But they're loaded with talent. Right. No, I, there are people like that. That's for sure. I'm not sure Thibodeau's one of them based on this article that I read. But also in this issue of SI, there's an article on baseball and how baseball needs buzz. And baseball's dying. A thing we've been reading about for 55, 60 years. But baseball's dying. And so what does the dying game need? And SI's got a lot of things that they say are are. are uh, on the verge of happening, some strange things. We need to take a break, Doc. We've got Matt Kanan. Uh, who is it, Doc? It, it, we, yeah, we'll take a break. We've, we've got a guest coming up uh, on the Downward Dog phone line. We had somebody that was John. call. Uh, okay, John. And he told me I, I couldn't yeah. hear him very John, much, give so us I, a call yeah. back in a few minutes after the conversation with Matt Kanan. Right. But then I'm going to throw out these ideas. A couple of them are just, to me, absolute heresy. <laughs> One in particular. I mean, I can live that was with in it. the article. Yes. Okay. Now, the, in, the the shift. I'm not a fan of banning shifts. I'm. Not, there's one item that I want to get to after okay, our conversation good. with Matt Cain, and I say, are you kidding me on this one? <laughs> that it may happen, and it's being tried out in the minor leagues. I just, I, what? I, oh. Again, I say, what's going on? What country is this? What okay. world are we in? Matt Cain, next on Damn Proud Day, 12:40, Joe Radio.
Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, and they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer Premier's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time to the moms in your life. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project but have finally decided to take a leap and get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood, and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves! If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go be. Whether you're looking for your first job or an exciting career change, at Entech, we're looking for you. Entech is growing and offers entry-level wages starting at $19 to $23 an hour, as well as excellent pay and benefit opportunities for established professionals. Immediate full benefit eligibility, health insurance, 401k, life and disability, tuition reimbursement, and so much more. Career opportunities from entry-level to professional are available. To start enjoying the career you've always wanted, visit entek.com, entech.com, and click the Careers tab. We're excited to meet you. Hey, this is Randy Holmes. We're still getting fired up down here at the Angry Beaver Grill. Introducing Throwdown Thursday with country line dancing beginning at 8 p.m. Can't dance but want to learn? They'll teach you a new dance every week. Don't forget our Tuesday night trivia beginning at 7 o'clock. Wednesday nights featuring all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner for 7 bucks, And get the best prime rib dinner in town every Friday night. So let's get fired up and have some fun down here at the Angry Beaver on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. We continue on the Joe Beaver show. We'll get to the heresies uh, soon. You know, we're uh, you you told we're me. alert. I, I, I told you off to the air, this. and and one I finally got something on TJ. He hadn't heard that this was being concerned. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Wow, great. And Matt Canaan will need to to listen to us when he hangs up to see exactly what we're talking yeah, about. It's Matt. Sorry to tease you with that, but there's a heresy being proposed for, for Major League Baseball rules. That I I know that you I don't know how much you I I see you at ball games so I know you like baseball but you're not going to believe what I'm going to say when we're done talking to you about <laughs> damn cloud day so you got to wait Matt are you a you like Beaver baseball I know are you a a baseball fan in general Uh yes very much so um, grew up in Ohio so uh, definitely uh, grew up a a fan of the now Cleveland Guardians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Albert Bell, um, gosh, Pat Tabler, yeah. uh, Negro, mm-hmm. um, Candy Maldonado, um, <laughs> some of the names from yeah. old municipal, municipal stadium. So definitely a fan of, uh, of Cleveland and obviously baseball. So but that, what you just did there, 
that's what they call in the business a tease. It is. So it you is. are a professional. Well, I, and I don't do I don't engage in them that we, often. We don't but, normally do that. But you but. were coming up on schedule as a guest just as we were getting to the heresy of heresies, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I I, I I'm going to have to wait to get to it. It's un, it's just unbelievable to me that it's yeah. even being seriously considered. So you must when we're done. <laughs> we're going to take a break when, after our conversation. And turn on 1240 Joe Radio to make sure you don't miss it, because I'd love to hear your reaction, Matt, when you do hear it. Anyway, this... i run to my car. Okay, yeah. thanks for that. Matt, and thanks for joining us on a huge day, not just for Oregon State Athletics, but the entire university. And just as a reminder, damn proud day, sort of how it came into existence, how this day uh, kind of took shape, what it means, and then we'll get into athletics proper and what people can do, but... Just tell us about the origins and what this day, Damn Proud Day, means for the university. Well, you hit it on the head, Mike, that this is a collaborative effort uh, among the university, uh, the OSU Foundation, and, and those two kind of big-picture global entities are really the driving force in getting this thing started in 2019. We didn't have an annual day of giving at Oregon State University before 2019, and and um, staff came on board at the foundation, uh, Tyrell Warren Burnett, who had been at Michigan State, Washington State, and now here with our foundation. Um, so we need to bring this here. We need to bring it to Corvallis. And so it is a collaborative effort among all large entities of the university and the foundation to raise money, obviously, but then raise awareness on all of the things that are necessary for the student experience to grow and be what what we promise it to be to these young people that are coming through our campus um all academic units have a priority for fundraising um athletics has 18 um priorities that we are fundraising for for every uh, varsity program as well as band spirit and of course our general scholarship fund i'll tell you matt i i'm looking at the damn proud link on the website osubeavers.com i love how you've laid this out, how the school has laid this out with each of the different departments. For example, you can see how well wrestling, baseball, marching band is doing with gifts. It lists the number of gifts than total dollars. That's fun to see, but it also includes, like you say, College of Pharmacy, uh, the OSU eCampus, the College of Arts. And it, it just gives you a good indicator of how people feel, where the money is going. And then if you have money and you want to you wanna help out, it might be a sway for you to say, well, they, we need to help them because they're, you know, banned, for, exa- for example, versus, uh, let's say, baseball. And, and I just I like the way you guys have laid that out. Thank you very much. And that, that is, there's a strategy to everything that we're, we're doing uh, for this day. And it's, it's been um, months, I'd say about four months in, in planning on this. And every unit, every athletic fund, you know, has not only um, a listing on the leaderboard, but you click on any of those academic units or athletic funds, and it tells more of the story. Yes, it, it tells you what the, the unit or fund is being fundraised for, but it gives a descriptor of how it's impacting that academic unit or the athletics fund. And you brought up band, you know, marching band. You know, the big thing that they need fundraising for is, is drum scholarships for their students and the experience of uh, traveling to additional games to provide that game day experience that people love at Research Stadium on the road as well. So um, we help, you know, we use the site and social media and email and other digital strategies 
to help tell the story of why people should give to whatever part of the university that they're passionate about. Matt Kanan joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show to talk about this damn proud day. There's a live stream going on, too, is there not? What is the time frame for that? I'm sorry that I don't know the exact parameters of it, Matt, but can can people follow along today? Of course. Thank you. Uh, yes, if anybody uh, go to damnprouddayorg um, that's, of course, where you would make a gift. But also, you up in the upper right corner uh, is a menu item for DPD Live. Um, and that is our live stream. It started at 10, excuse me, 10 a.m., and we're running through 4 o'clock. We have live and pre-recorded content throughout that entire six-hour window. Every athletic program will be represented either live or recorded if because we have our rowing teams and our men's golf team traveling and competing. We have five college deans um, participating live on the Guild Plaza. We have pre-recorded content from multiple academic units. Uh, we'll have live look-ins from other parts of campus, from the Cascade campus. Um, this was this is the first year for this. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought we Jeff Pivik, uh, my colleague, and I sat in the office about four months ago and said, "Hey, we did shoe on this last year. How can we elevate it?" And then the next thing we found out. Interim President Johnson said, I'd like to kick that off for you. And we're like, okay, this just kind of ticked up a notch. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, uh, like I said, a great opportunity to tell the story of every athletic program, um, kind of tell people where we are fundraising-wise and, and, and give people that, that extra push to go make a gift. So org and click DPD Live. I'm on it right now, by the way. There's a live uh, from the plaza um, I don't recognize who's doing the interviewing, but uh, it's great. And then you've got the, the ticker that shows all the money raised. But if you also yep. go back then to the individual departments, whether they be sports or the College of Pharmacy, there's people's names listed and how much they've given. But if people want to be anonymous, mm-hmm. there's that as well, correct? Yes, definitely. When, when you make a gift on damnprowday.org, um, you have the choice. You can have your amount be anonymous. You can have your name be anonymous. You can have both, or you can show both. It's really your choice. And, and the other thing is, if let's say you have an affinity or passion for multiple areas of the university. Um, as you're making your gift, you can have the dollar amount in one, and there's a button at the bottom that says add another project. You can add as many projects to that one transaction so you don't have to keep going back and forth to multiple pages. Um, and one more thing I want to touch on with, with our athletics fundraising our coaches were very strategic and very thoughtful in how they wanted and what they wanted to provide money for and fundraising for. Um, the number one goal of our strategic plan is holistic development of our student athletes. All of our fundraising goals for our 18 programs hit one of one of three buckets: either player development, tech, uh, technical equipment that's going to help them com- you know prepare for competition, student athlete experience that's going to help embolden them and, and strengthen that bond as a team and better their experience as a young athlete here at Oregon State. And then lastly, wellness and mental health. Many of our coaches and our general scholarship fund are fundraising for mental health, wellness initiatives, sports psychology. Um, we're fundraising for Headspace on um, the online tool for our student-athletes uh, through our philanthropic fund. So really a direct way to say, these areas are very important. It's not just what happens on the field or the court. Mm-hmm. It's what happens to these young men and women in their lives as they roll through their collegiate career. 
Matt Kanan joining us, Assistant Athletic Director, Director of Athletic Annual Giving, talking to us about some of the aspects of this big day on campus at Oregon State. Matt, there's also, from what I, I gather, I remember talking about this last year, very purposeful and guided me, uh, messages from all of the coaches and programs, but some competition, too. Right? These, these are all very competitive people, and it seemed like last year there were some challenges being thrown out, and, and I don't know if it was Chris Pendleton's program that ended up winning the day last year. I can't re- quite remember that, but there is some competition going on, too, right? Definitely, definitely. I mean, this is athletics. You keep score. <laughs> and um, so you're right. Coach Pendleton and the Ruffin program, um, were very, they were top two in money raised. Men's rowing took the title in money raised for athletics. But our spirit squad had the most donations among any unit across hmm. campus last year, 374. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, our new women's soccer head coach, Lauren Sinicola, saw that, and she's like, Let's see what we can do. And they are crushing the entire campus right now in terms of donations. They're over 300, and it's not even lunchtime yet. Um, so, yes, the coaches see, they track the leaderboard. They are competitive with each other. Rowing knows that they have other sports coming after them. Um, <laughs> volleyball has raised, last year they raised less than $2,000, and they're over 13000 right now. Oh, my God. So, Right. Um, it's just, it's, it's, everybody's involved. It's a team effort. You know, it's a collaborative effort among our athletic colleagues, our foundation colleagues, alumni association, university colleagues. Um, it's just a great day to celebrate, um, everything that Oregon state does for our students and offers to our students. So damnprouday.org. Um, if you've made a gift, track it and, and, and tell three friends about it. If mm-hmm. you haven't done so yet, don't wait. Damnprouddy.org, the place to go. Matt, we're going to turn you loose in just a second so you can get to the car and hear the heresy. But the the, uh, the the last thing on the bigger today is a huge day, and the momentum, the excitement. It sounds as though it's real, and and you're going to keep surpassing from year to year what you did the year before in this rather new venture in the world, a single day of fundraising, damn proud day, and let's just hope that it does indeed continue on that kind of pace. The overall big picture stuff, Matt, in your role as uh, the director of athletic annual giving, through the hard times the world has been in, the you know, the, I did hear somebody say today that the pandemic phase is officially over in the United States. Oh. I think Dr. Fauci made that pronounce. I thought I heard that this morning, John, on, yeah. on the Clue Morning Update or something to that effect. You know, what that exactly may mean, I don't know if this is sort of an official marker day. But through all of the times and challenging times, Matt, in your world, it sounds like Beaver Nation and the donor base has really jumped up and responded well through these times. Where are we kind of in a big picture in your world in athletic annual giving? Yeah, that's a great question. You are correct. I mean, as we entered into the pandemic phase in this country, um, we we turned to our, to our donor base and our season ticket holders and our supporters and said, you know, these young men and women, these future leaders need you more than ever. And that's when um, programs like Beavers Care and Beavers Endure set out. And we talked to them about the, 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 the support they provide as a part of season tickets and um, their seat contributions. You know, we still need them to, to do that. And, and you're right, Mike. This, this fan base and this community stepped up hugely for our student-athletes and said, you know what? This is more important 
um, right now, and we need to continue to band together uh, for, for, for OSU student-athletes, and they continue to do that. And Big picture, Mike, and we always we want to make sure that we're doing things that support our student-athletes um, from an educational standpoint in terms of you know, general scholarship support, you know, subsidizing that, that uh, scholarship bill. Um, we want to make sure that we're helping fundraise for, for programming that's going to help prepare these young men and women for leadership roles once they leave campus. And then as we touched on earlier, we want to continue to make sure that the holistic mm-hmm. aspect of these young men and women are, are brought into the forefront, and we want to help continue to subsidize wellness initiatives. And Beaver Nation continues to do that. We always want to grow the philanthropic side of our annual fund. You know, people who are giving up and above, you know, the, the required seat donation. And that continues to grow as the years go on. And Dan Proud Day is a great example of how people are doing that. Matt, real quick, last uh, thing, uh, this John. Um, coaches can donate to their own programs? I, I wanted yeah, to you clear can donate that. to anyone you'd like. Yeah, I wanted to clear that because I noticed one that I want to make a point about when we're done with this conversation because it, it tells me a lot. It's interesting. Hey, yeah, Ma- anybody can donate to any uh, academic uh, unit or athletic fund that they wish and as many times as they wish. Excellent. Damnprouddy.org. Matt, thank you for the time and information. Uh, if you somehow don't get to your car, somehow need to know what the heresy is, I'll share it with you later. But it's coming. <laughs> it's coming next on the Joe Beaver Show, but I hope it ain't ever coming to Major League Baseball. That's yes, all I can yes. say to that. <laughs> let's Thanks, take sir. a break. Matt, thanks, thanks for Matt. your time. Congratulations, and let's uh, keep this momentum rolling on damn proud day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm looking at yes. this leaderboard. Baseball's doing very well. Good. I think it's on top. I haven't seen football, but baseball is pretty pretty far up there with total number of gifts given and dollars. Yeah, it's great. You can see everything. Interesting, and, and you can see the gifts. Now, this is why I checked with Matt that in in the top twenty, or I should say the first twenty, because there's a five dollar mm. one in here and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But in the first twenty on the list of baseball donors, you can you can just click see more donors, see more donors, but it only shows you twenty at a time. Okay, or maybe it's twenty five. Um. Just in the top first 20 on the list, there's the top two gifts are $1,000 and $500. And then a bunch of 20s, 30s, hundreds, yeah. there's a few nice, hundreds. Nice. But just those separate themselves, right? Yeah. 1000 mm-hmm. and and 500 The 1000 is is from a couple. Now, their name is on here, yeah. but I just won't mention their okay. name. But Rich Dorman is the second with 500 <laughs> Yeah. He's free to do it. Doing, so that tells me a lot about him. What and his pitching staff this year too tells me a lot about well, and him. how it's improved. Yeah. No, from I know everyone panicking. Yeah, the the walks and the three now. bases last year has just been amazingly curtailed. Well, it, it it improved from last year to this year, but this year alone within the year, yeah, the the bullpen yeah. has improved. It's been so nice much. to see. Let's take a break. If you have any thoughts about damn proud day, we've got a couple of texts saying, "Hey, they've jumped on today. Thank you for that." Uh, OSU. A huge fundraising day for the entire campus. Damn, D-A-M, damnprouddayorg And find a place that you'd like to share. And again, $5, 10 I mean, anything, everything helps. There's a $5 there, on yeah, there. Yeah, there's so. some $5 on there. Whatever, whatever you can do, if you're so compelled and moved to, please do. We'll take a break. And, John, I will share with you. I can't wait to I, talk no, about I, this. I, it, it's, it's unbelievable No, I look at it and say, how can this even be? 
Who would say, hmm, yeah, let's run that. That's a good idea. Anyway, let's talk about it next on 1240 Joe Radio. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8. 245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at Alyrica.net. If you're an experienced modeler or maybe you're just starting out, Trump's Hobbies is there to help. Trump's carries the latest in RC cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, model trains, fantasy games, paints, parts, and supplies. Trump's is an old-fashioned hobby shop that's been around answering questions and fixing problems since 1972. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. Kraken Cards combines the worlds of sports, cards, and games to bring a fresh take on your local game store. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, and more. If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. OSU fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box just for you. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. KrakenSportsCards.com, your connection to everything fun. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Level up your quesadilla game at Qdoba with their new cheese-crusted quesadillas. Crisp things up a notch and add a golden crispy cheese crust to the outside of your quesadilla. Talk about cheese on cheese on cheese. And customize your cheese-crusted quesadilla masterpiece with any of their flavorful protein, zesty salsas, handcrafted guac, and of course, more cheese. Make your world more flavorful and try the new cheese-crusted quesadillas today. Stop by or order now at Qdoba.com or in the app. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Now, we got to wait a little bit longer, and we'll have it here, I promise, before the – that was our last break of the hour. True or false? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, John has been calling with something on his mind throughout the morning, and we want to get to him on the Downward Dog phone line, and then I will share – let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six – in-game sort of things that Major League Baseball is considering and even testing out in the minor league. Well, one of them is utterly it, it, Well, yeah, it's the worst thing ridiculous. I've ever seen, maybe, for a proposed change. In any sport. Yeah, in any sport. So anyway, we'll get to that in just a second. John, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks, Mike. Good morning. Uh, two separate things. One comment. 
about Thibodeau, um, I'm not sure about about his outgoingness and, and uh, how busy he is. But he did make the comment, it was quoted on the, uh, the NFL channel, the NFL station, something to the effect, and this isn't a direct quote, that he didn't think there were a lot of coaches out there who could teach him much more than he already knows. <laughs> no, that's not a good so, That's not a good thing. No. No. On the other hand, if you listen, a lot of these guys are get drafted, listen to talk, they boast about themselves left and right. So maybe they're encouraged somehow to act mm-hmm. like uh, jerks. Mm. Well, yeah, and, and the article the article that I read by Greg Bishop, John, on, on Kayvon, put, it helped me to actually think more highly. And articles, I mean, this had an angle and a slant, and they chose to put Kayvon and Aiden Hutchinson on the cover with the NFL draft coming tomorrow. So they have a timely story on the draft. But they talk, Greg Bishop, the writer, says, Thibodeau has fallen from the presumed number one overall pick to who knows where now. And I find that interesting because he still has tremendous measurables, explosiveness, all of that. And I think he's going to be a pretty good player at the next level. But the upshot of the article that interested me, and I would be interested in it even if he, you know, it's not because he's a player from down the road. If he was at yeah. USC or Georgia or whatever else, the whole idea of how, how do you kind of get back control of a narrative once it's out there and maybe – Kayvon is at fault if what you say he said, he did say, and maybe there's some people looking a bit askance at him now. I still think it's an interesting story about how an idea, a narrative about somebody can take life and people just sort of run with it or sign off on it, even if they haven't done their own homework. I, I, you know, I, it's, uh, I think gossip has a lot to do with how yeah. <laughs> these things turn out in these draft things. I agree. Right. Hey, John, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, one more, yes. one more oh, sure. Comment? You bet. Uh, I'm really impressed by the change in, in Verlander. I forget Verlander's first name. But Matt, his body language and everything else seems to have changed. And, and as he's gotten better, I don't know if it's because his confidence is coming up, but he just looks like a different pitcher to me than he did three or four weeks ago. Yes, you're talking of Mitchell Verberg, yes. And, and yes, he does. Yes, I'm sorry. And he's pitching with he's pitching with some confidence again. Uh, I you know again as Ryan Gibson said the other day, if we're going to do the big things we want to do, then he needs to be a part of it. And and I, and it looks like he's growing more and more into the guy that we've seen flashes of in seventeen and nineteen. And now he's a you know mature veteran, experienced leader that has all the respect of the guys on the team, the elder statesman. I I, I hope that it's shaping up into just a a wonderful way for him to end what's been a long and uh, trying six-year career here where he's gone through two different surgeries, a back uh, injury that prevented him from play, uh, pitching in 2018. It's been an amazing run for him, and I'm just uh, hopeful that it ends on a high note. Yeah, me too. Thanks all, Mike. Thanks, John. To that note, one other thing Matt was talking yeah. about when we talked about the damn proud, uh, damn fund- proud day fund- mm-hmm. fundraising. Each site that you click on, as he mentioned, has our story. And baseball's our story says this year Beaver Baseball is fundraising for Clubhouse Nutrition Station and iPads for use with Dam Analytics Squad. Taking care of our athletes comes first. Having healthy nutrition, da 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 da. Providing our athletes with analytic technology will improve their athletic skill as well as give them da 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 da. We talked about how you can look and use those analytics to see where your arm is and all that. 
Well, this is a perfect example of that. They want the get the guys all to have their own iPads so that they can go back to their mm-hmm. dorm room or apartment and look at different yeah. things when they're not working out. And it's worked for for Mitchell Verberg. And this is one of the things that they say on their our stories to what they're fundraising for. Thank you for that, John. Okay, here we go. This article, Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Great article on Juan Soto. And you, I is just, that delivered to you, by yes, the way? Yes, I, I, it's an old-fashioned type of experience. A wow. magazine with paper, you and it comes in the mail. To Sports Illustrated. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I, I enjoy SI. It comes every couple of weeks Can't now. Can't you just read it for free online? No. No, you can't, actually. Really? You yeah, this is it. this is content that's available <laughs> in the magazine edition. Now, yeah, I think you have to pay for it. You might be able to subscribe yeah, online yeah, yeah. and pay for it, but I'm choosing to get it the old-fashioned way through the mail. That's just, I would do and that, too. Here are the Tom Verducci, the outstanding writer, says uh-huh. this. Here are some some of the things that will be coming to Major League Baseball, many of which, many of which are designed to see hitters whiff less. <laughs> so this whole idea, we got why do we bring in the fences of P.K. Parr? Well, anyway, here we go. Up, I, all of these I can potentially, I can live with all of these in a sense, even mm-hmm. though I disagree with them. But one, I can't live with. No. I, if they do it, it's a, okay, I walk <laughs> away from the game. I'm done. No, I'm not sure that's true. But here we go. A pitch timer, okay, beginning in 2023. It's expected to be 14 seconds with the bases empty, 19 seconds with runners. A ban on infield shifts. Beginning in 2023, teams no longer will be allowed to have more than two infielders on one side of second base. Okay? Uh, again, we, we can talk about each one, but, you, but for now. Bigger bases beginning in 2023. <laughs> shortening the distance between bases by four and a half inches should increase the stolen base success rate by one to two percentage points, according to MLB models, which should lead to more steal attempts. Stolen base attempts per game hit a 61-year low last season. Okay, that, That's because they're not playing small ball anymore. Well, it's home runs and, and strikeouts. Yeah, I, I, and I'm still, at this point, even though I look at each of these kind of, okay, but we're not there yet. The automated ball strike system. <laughs> Coming as soon as 2024. We won't get a Kyle Schwarber. Who's he going to be yelling at? The, the, the person running the machinery in the press box when he gets struck out by Angel Hernandez? Yeah. You know, on a Greg Street-type pitch, well out of the zone. We're going to lose the human element in all of that Will because there be it's a ball home- strike, ball strike, and we're not going to. According to this, it's possible in low A last season, a tracking system using optical cameras determined balls and strikes. It's being used in AAA this year. The automated zone is flatter and wider to combat the high fastball. Last season, batters hit 198 on fastballs at the top of the strike zone and 264 on fastballs elsewhere in the zone. Will there be a home plate umpire to, I, to the call, call plays at the plate? Plays probably, the plate? yes, yes, I suppose so. Further crackdown on foreign substances. Uh, the, uh, the monthly strikeout rate declined without exception once MLB cracked down last June on pitchers using spider tack or other sticky substances but spin rate started to rise again toward the end of the season as pitchers figured a work around to the umpire inspections. In response, MLB has instructed umpires this season to inspect pitchers' hands pretty often. It's not, I don't think it's between every half inning, but I see on yeah, television yeah. when I watch games, the pitcher just walking off and the umpire says, let me see what you got. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's a common visual now. Then there's a little note here about relocation and or expansion. This isn't good for our Portland effort in this sense. It yeah. says Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred is sitting on several markets. For example, Nashville, Montreal, Las Vegas. <laughs> so Portland doesn't make that cut in this story. 
uh, that appear more lucrative, Verducci writes, than current ones in St. Petersburg and Oakland in what can be described as a race for Nashville. Manfred must oh, map man. out whether to green light a move there or hold it as a value, valuable Before COVID, ship. before the riots, and before all the tent campers, Portland was in the top two. Yeah, I mean, whether it was Nashville it's or possible, Portland. It's possible. It's don't, possible. I don't know exactly. I don't know. You may be right, and there may be a direct link to all that. You may be right. I, I, I don't know if that's exactly provable, but it is a, a theory that gets bandied about. But here we go. <laughs> a maximum depth for outfielders still in the planning stage. It will be tried in expended, extended spring games, perhaps defined by a green arc painted in the grass. Initial research by MLB shows that for every 10 feet outfielders play shallower, the rate of doubles and triples increases by 2%. With analytics pushing outfielders deeper, the rate of doubles and triples has fallen 12% in 20 years. You understand? You hear the enormity of this? They're saying the outfielder's depth, can ha- you can't go past a certain point. Unbelievable. And play at the track. You or have to in, stop at the you line. To, you can't go past the arc that they'll paint, so, they'll, so balls will get over your head more often, doubles and triples. That is utterly, completely ridiculous beyond belief, and that is the heresy of heresies. From SI and 1240 Joe Radio. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. Deutsche Bank, the first major Wall Street bank to predict a U.S. recession, is going further out on a limb due to the likelihood of persistently elevated price gains and continued upside surprises. The bank sees a mild contraction by late next year, but it says an even deeper recession may be needed to bring inflation under control. Launching this week at some Dick's Sporting Goods stores in the Denver and Pittsburgh areas, a program that will allow customers to buy or sell outdoor gear such as tents, backpacks, skis, and snowboards. Dick's, headquartered near Pittsburgh, is partnering with Out and Back Outdoors, a Denver-based startup on the program. That company, founded in 2019, runs an online platform for second-hand gear that focuses on merchandise and equipment used by outdoor and adventure seekers. U.S. stocks are on the mend today. The index is all up about 1%. The Dow Industrials ahead by 320 points. The S&P 500 has recouped 41. The Nasdaq Composite's up 109. That's your money now. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-714-6633. That's 1-800-714-6633. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-714-6633. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Do you ever experience headaches or how about back pain? Here at Horesco Chiropractic, we truly believe that everybody deserves to live a life without pain. Our doctors will get to the root of your condition and create a custom treatment plan to help you get back to living the best version of your life. 
Our patients often say how amazed they feel to live a life with less pain after they have experienced how effective chiropractic care is. Start on the journey of improved health by giving us a call today or visiting our website at Horesco.com. Horesco Chiropractic in Corvallis. We really can make a world of difference for you. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, and they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer Premier's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements, and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time to the moms in your life. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help you do some forward thinking. One of the most common faults with golfers is taking the putter back too far and having to decelerate through impact. This leads to inconsistent contact and limits your feel for distance. Here's a drill that will shorten your backstroke and help develop smooth acceleration through impact. Place the ball about 25 feet from a hole and then place a second ball about 8 inches directly behind your putter head. Now the object is to put the first ball to the hole without touching the second ball. To reach the hole, you must accelerate the putter through impact. What this does is to start making you think much less about your backstroke and much more about the forward motion of the stroke, the part that actually strokes the ball. So remember, to make sure you get the ball to the hole, shorten your backstroke to ensure smooth acceleration and impact. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. At the United States Postal Service, we deliver packages fast and affordably so you can give your customers what they want when they need it. We're delivering for one-stop shops, mom and pops, pop-ups, startups, retail, wholesale, large-scale, small biz, big box, customers, customizers. So no matter what business you're in, we'll always be delivering for you. USPS, delivering for America. Learn more at usps.com slash delivering. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents and Doug. Check it out, Lemu. A roadside carnival. Step right up, folks. Test your strength. Come see the fire-breathing baby. <laughs> Let's fan out and tell people that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Look! An emu wearing sunglasses! Lemu, you're famous. <laughs> only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Time to enter the Magic Kingdom. Denise, would you kindly clear the wheels? Okay, here we go. On three. One, two. Tweets and texts, faces and books. Tweets and texts and faces and books. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. In such an age as this, is there any room left for something as simple as radio? We believe there is. Touchdown, Beaver! He's got a chance to go! Joe Beaver Show is on the air with Mike Parker and John Warren, two men on a mission to prove that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. So gather the whole family. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you don't have one, fret not. I'll have the management send you up a radio. Be a part of the triumphant return of amplitude modulation. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the beavers. Cool, cool beats, beats. Kill me! 1240 Joe Radio. So, you know, that may... Is that all there is? You got Peggy Lee going in your background an hour ago. We're talking about if this is it. Oh, if that's it, says our old Uncle Fuzzy. That ain't much. No, no, no. We need to break it this down. This is it. But there, there's something to be said on all those rules change. Yeah, there are. And, and all of them, and very few of them, I'm not a fan really. Just to be honest, big not a fan of any of them. No, say. can but live with them. I could live with everything with except yeah. the idea that we're going to put an arc across the outfield that an outfielder cannot go past at the be- when the yeah. pitch is made. Like it's just, I mean, how, who came in up the with air, that? Center fielder runs backwards, sees the arc below his feet, can't go beyond that. Oh, no, that. no, no. He can, he, can, he can go catch the ball. He can't start his position, John. He, can't, he can go beyond that. It's not like he's got oh, to let the ball. Was, no, no. to wait and let well, it drop. Maybe it'll come to that. We need to get to that level. What does it mean, point. then? It means that he has to. He can't play deeper than than the prescribed arc. He can't arc. start beyond. He that cannot start and run beyond. up on a ball. Well, he can run up on a ball, but they want balls to go over outfielders' heads. So it's a maximum depth. You cannot go beyond this arc when you begin. Like the infielders yeah, okay. can I no, no, it no. Was during the play. Oh yeah, you got to stop here, and then we'll just play it off the carom. Now that would be exciting. Forcing I, them to to have a ball go over their head well, if they reach the line. Yeah, no that. That would be entertaining, I suppose. I mean, you, you'd might as well just move the fence into that line. <laughs> well, what, we have open phones and texts. If you have any immediate reaction to all of those things you just heard, if you were listening carefully, the pitch clock, the banning of shifts, the uh, cracking down even further on foreign substances, et cetera. Some of those are a little they're rather benign compared to others well and the one john i i kind of like maybe you're taking it to a level somebody in a room right now might say hey i heard a guy on the radio hey why don't we do this don't let him go beyond that arc. that's what i literally no, thought it meant they cannot begin their defensive positioning beyond that arc because they want more balls to carry over outfielders heads but tj made the excellent point a while ago if you're if you're trying to get if you're wanting more doubles and triples mm-hmm. and more Action plays. That's the whole idea. Get away from the three true outcomes, walk, strike out, homer, of which we've had a heavy dose of and too much of, and not enough balls in play and action plays. Doubles and triples are exciting baseball plays. Right. So (laughs) the problem is if you put a amongst many, but if you decide, okay, well, Jacob Melton cannot play beyond, he cannot start. His center field position, he has to be in front of this one. has to be up close. Yeah. Closer. Now, the line itself, in order to have that impact, would have to be way up. Way up. Well, Because if you're 20 feet in front of the fence. I'm not sure. They can get back in time. Yeah, what they're even proposing. But to me, the whole proposal is ludicrous. It's changing baseball. You're just changing the sport. But but as TJ pointed out astutely, that's just only going to lead to more. Well, if the outfielders are playing it, I'm going to swing even harder and drive it over their heads and maybe get more doubles and triples. Yes, but you're also going to find, as you pointed out, more strikeouts. Yeah, it probably won't help stimulate the offense that they hope. But just the whole idea of telling, of saying to an outfielder, you cannot. I mean, how often do I say, you know, the Beavers are playing uh, Spencer Torkelson very deep. Uh, 
you know, Stephen Kwan is just one step off the warning track and left. But that will no longer be available, according to this ridiculous rule proposal. All of the others, infield shifts, I, I mean, I've, I'm not a fan of banning the shift either. I'm a, more of a proponent of let the offense figure things out. I don't want offsides in baseball. I just don't want, I don't want that to be a, no, a thing, I think it's but stupid it's coming. Soccer. But Damn. we've got a couple of Daves on the line who will be at the front lines I've of won- a reaction to this idea, but it's not just somebody in a, that this is likely to be tried if it hasn't already and could indeed be coming to spring training games next year at the major league level and tried out in the minor leagues. This maximum depth, you can't go beyond a certain depth in the outfield when a pitch is why being do you delivered. think they're making all these proposals? Well, because they're they're wanting to get more runs and offense. That's why to get more fans Action in the seats and get more fans in the seats and stimulate and like re- I said, reinvigorate, reinvigorate interest. Lower the price of ticket and lower the price of beer. <laughs> that might help. They're too. pricing people out. No, I I hear you. And leave the game alone. The tradition and the the game is the oldest game in the country. You can't change it and let them shift. And, but, but like we were also talking about, I've seen shifts that are so ridiculous. There's nobody from third to second. Why wouldn't you push a bunt? I know. Pass the pitcher a guaranteed hit. I'm, I know. And that, and they to don't me, do it. To me, that w- is where the owner should be. Yeah. Willie Mays himself. Hit it Willie, where they ain't. Willie, the greatest pledge, we Willie Keeler, but Willie Mays himself, the, the greatest. Overall five-tool baseball player the game has ever seen, period. Hey, Babe Ruth pitched, too. Yeah, I know, but I'm just talking about the five tools. Nobody was better than Mays, ever. The greatest. The transcendent, platonic archetype of a baseball player. As somebody said, the game was invented for him, and it was. Mays is an (laughs) absolute genius. Ask Tallulah Bankhead. There have only been two geniuses in the world, the old actress said, and they're both named Willie. Willie Shakespeare and Willie Mays. Did she say Willie Mays? She did. I, that made me laugh. Ralph Miller said there are only two people who can k- do a bounce pass properly. Bob Cousy, and you're looking at the other one. <laughs> That's a great line. He said it to you, I think, or to somebody yeah, as yeah. a general term. But Willie Mays himself said of Ted Williams, he said, Ted was the best pure hitter I ever saw, but he got too stubborn. Against the shift, he would never go the other way, and he needed to. That's what That's we're Willie now. Mays talking of Ted Williams. But Teddy said, I'm not going to change this perfectly crafted arc of a swing and screw myself up for further at-bats by trying to hit the ball the other way. Just swing later or sooner, whichever they, <laughs> what they're doing. Okay. We've got Dave and Dave, and we hope to hear from more of you as we go. Come water, Dave. Thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. First, a quick poll for you before we get to the uh, checklist of proposed changes. The best Huey Lewis song of all time was Do You Believe in Love? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 just a great melody. Mm-hmm. Mike, I almost fired up a text message to you last night when you started talking about Conforto's Big Blast. Mm-hmm. You were saying 2012, and then you corrected right. yourself appropriately to 2013. Because that's when Max Gordon was playing center field for the Beavs, and he was making those circus catches yes. in that very same series. And it was our beloved Labs last week uh, on on this uh, surface of the globe. And every time I 
yell for Max, my poor Labrador retriever would think I was uh, calling him over, and he does struggle over. Mm -hmm. So here's my question, Mike, and then we'll turn to the checklist. Who in your witness has hit the longest home run in OSU history? Conforto onto the roof, Jacob Melton last weekend, or Adley Rutschman over the scoreboard in 2019, or someone else? Rutschman. The one you went out and yeah. measured, Rutschman, or put a stake in, Rutschman. Yes. Yeah. That, well, the ones I've seen in person, there's no question about that. That was just majestic. Yes. Uh, sublime in its own way, thinking of sublimity mm-hmm. yesterday. So, um, oh, by the way, Cal set an attendance record for baseball of the game here this past weekend, which I thought was an interesting little footnote to the history you were recounting a, a broadcast or two earlier. Uh, some of those rules changes, Mike, I, I, I could live with. Some are a little more problematic. I think I agree. Well, I know I agree with you. The one that's the most ridiculous is the idea of positioning the outfielders. I mean, if that's the point, why not just limit yourself to two outfielders? <laughs> play, yeah. with eight, play with eight guys in the field instead of nine. I mean, um, I think the one that I think of, I just, uh, I get the point of it, but it's, and I see the pitch clock when I go to stadiums, I, I go to games at Goss Stadium. Mm-hmm. I, there's, a, there's another way of solving that problem in the pitch clock. Limit the number of step-outs. Get rid of batting gloves. If players didn't have batting gloves, they always <laughs> wouldn't be stepping out and fussing with them. So you, could limit the, you could limit the throws to first base. You could get rid of that stupid fake thing that uh, yeah. got uh, the uh, <laughs> opposing pitcher, you dub pitcher, lived a regret uh, this past weekend. I could live with the infield shift if you just limit it, you know, two on either side, or just put the one guy behind second base. You can't be, you can't have three infielders to the first base side of second base. You could largely accomplish what you want with the shift. If, if the guy can't go any farther right, towards right. first base, yeah. then right behind second. But um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, baseball's in trouble, regrettably, but I'm not sure all of these are really the solution. Bigger bases, what about that notion? It's a, it, they're, it, it, the shortening the distance by four and a half inches to increase the stolen base rate. That's, you know, make the bases bigger, you get there quicker. Uh, that that seems a little gimmicky to me, yeah. quite honestly. Man, I, I, I'm not inveterately opposed to it, but it just, right. it just strikes me as being a little uh, being a little odd. Uh, I'm not really in favor of the automatic ball strike thing. I like the idea of even Greg Street yeah. being behind the plate. Right. I find that more satisfying than turning it over to artificial intelligence. Call me old fashioned if you want, but that's where I am. Dave, it's always good to hear from you. Thank you for the call. Let's do it again soon. And uh, uh, when you said Cal, you're talking about the Golden Bears baseball program had their biggest attendance ever? Yeah, apparently. Oh. So my buddy who graduated from Cal follows baseball said they set, a, they set an attendance record at a game here. I don't know if it was last night or last weekend, but it caught his attention. Good. I thought I'd pass that on. Do you know what it was? The number? I, it was a couple. I think it was 2,000. Yeah. Uh, they which say of, that, which of course, is ha- half of what Goss will hold. 
Yeah, but I, I even noticed an uptick this year at the games. Uh, you may have heard me say it. I don't know if you did, but during yes, the games I that I called, I said, hey, you know, there are more people here for these games than <laughs> I remember looking around at three or 400 people at most in some of those games in the early 2000s. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And Cal's working hard to try to, they've had a good baseball program with great tradition. It's good that they're doing that. I'm glad to hear it. Dave, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Let's go to the other Dave on the Joe Beaver Show. Did you know Oregon had a hitter called out against Washington State for not getting back in the box in a timely manner? Really? The count was like one and two in the inning where Oregon scored five in the bottom of the ninth. The tie went on to win. I can't remember the name of the hitter, but I was listening to the game at the time to Joey. And and, and the guy was called out. And the umpire, you know, was kind of motioning the hitter to get back in the box like you'll see them do. Like, oh, get back in. He must have been irritated he of, must, a, of a lot of that happening. He must have, and, and maybe asked him two or three times. Yeah, yeah. And finally said, strike three. But, I mean, that's that's a dramatic penalty in the bottom of the ninth inning of a game. Oregon ended up rallying to tie. Yeah. But you just wonder how that would play at Goss Stadium at Coleman and Field if Jacob Melton were called out on strikes for being out of the box for a moment. And the clock, it seems to me every time I look at the clock, they're not going by it. At least the yeah. first two years when I was doing games yeah. and – it's, the clock would hit zero, three seconds would go by, the pitch would come, and there I was know. no penalty. Yeah, I think I think it's loosely enforced and inconsistently enforced. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Dave, uh, Dave, good afternoon. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Mike, you, you stole one of my points. I was just going to say I watched that game, uh, and, and it was, and there was a controversial call at second base before that where the, uh, the second baseman lost, lost the uh, ball on an exchange. Um, so it was pretty remarkable, actually, that Oregon came back the way they did with two outs that they really shouldn't have been hmm. used. But the whole thing with that is, you know, he'd stepped out uh, and and was given time out, and then, and then the the umpire was asking him to step back in, and he was waiting for the, the, the call from his coach mm-hmm. um, for what he wanted to do. And um, at that point, the pitch count had expired. The pitch clock had right. expired. It, like, it was like 31 seconds or whatever, so he... Uh, motioned the guy back in and was trying to get him back in. He wouldn't get back in. He just he turned and called him out. Um, and and there was pretty pretty heated exchange for it. So I'm sure. I, I wonder is that really a is that really a pitch count or is that a, a hitter's count? Because <laughs> I don't I don't know that it's usually the pitcher that's, that's right. causing that. No, it's a pitch clock that um, it's applicable to so, both hitter and pitcher, Dave. So obviously in that case they were calling yeah. the hitter for delay of game in a very real sense and calling a strike on him. Yeah. Now, now my question, your your heresy you're speaking of. Yes. What what happens in in the the bottom of the ninth walkout situation, walkout situation, um, games tied, or even they need they need one run to tie it or two runs to score, and the outfielders move all the way in to take away a, a base hit and the mm-hmm. guy from scoring. Right. You know when it's two out. So do they have to paint a line there so that the <laughs> outfielders have to? Can only play a minimum yeah. and a maximum distance, and yeah. maybe they'll put them in a circle so they can't uh, they can't crowd the line to take away. I, mean, uh, I know. I guess you can go a lot of different directions with it, but but in the end, it's I think baseball survived because every time there's been a and and other sports also every time there's been a, a, a defensive adjustment or an offensive uh, offensive adjustment, you've had. Um, Teams respond in, yes. in fashion, you know, that the, uh, sure. the, the spread off the zone, the, yeah, the zone read, quick tempo, no huddle. Running. Right. 
there's always been that 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 uh, yin and yang, I guess. Yes, where, where teams figure it out, and yes. I mean, you, you might as well tell tell a football team at the same time you can't have have four guys four guys back at the goal line on a prevent defense to prevent a hail mary. They've got to right. They've got to start you know within ten yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, this is yeah. You know, I know. It, I, I think I think John's right. Number one, you know, it, it's tough for for people to drive from here all the way to Seattle. You know, three and a half, four hours. Deal with the traffic. That's number one reason I won't go to a game is I don't want to deal with the traffic. But to, to spend all that time, it's old. It's old day adventure, maybe a weekend adventure to go to Seattle just mm-hmm. to watch a game mm-hmm. um, and, and spend a lot of money to do it. And it's been ten years since I've been to a major league game, but. I don't know what a beer costs now. I know that back then it was eight, nine bucks. Um, no more. So, so how do you? Yeah, I imagine that's gone. Hot dog. If you can't get a hot dog and a beer, you know, take your kids to a game for less than you know three, four, five hundred bucks. Um, if you're going to really enjoy it, you know, I don't, I don't know sure. what seats are or anything else, but I think that's the biggest thing. Is boy, look at the alternatives we have locally. We've got. Corvallis Knights, that's great baseball. We've got Beaver baseball. We've got the Hillsboro Hops. We, we've got the Volcanoes, you know, and we can get our, our beer and hot dogs for half the price of a major league stadium and still have a really good, enjoyable time. Yeah, hey, I have no reason to go that far. No, I got you. No, I know. But I mean, I know what they're, but, but, and, and I understand that from our perspective here in the Mid Valley, but Major League, we're, Major League Baseball is concerned just about in their own city and in their own market. Yeah, they want fans to travel from afar, but they're losing fans right in their own backyard in, in throughout. And the idea is they're losing fans, not necessarily. I don't see anything here about concessions or parking or cost of tickets. There's nothing about that in here. Although John and others point out, well, if you lowered prices, you might get more people to come, which is probably true. They're talking about the aesthetics of the game and the way the game is played and trying to stimulate run production, which they believe is the boon for fans. Home runs, runs, but the, they see, we've seen plenty of home runs lately, so now they're trying to find ways to get more doubles and triples, and hence this maximum depth for outfielder idea. It, they're always trying yes, to, uh, to fix the game, and the game finds a way, I think, to, as I think you're suggesting, to kind of fix itself as, the, as, the, as they go on and on through the generations. The game kind of keeps finding equilibrium, through all of these kind of strange phases, and will so again if you kind of leave it alone. I think so. I, I could just throw it out there. I mean, maybe you maybe you make every guy that hits a home run do a cartwheel between third base and home base. That was <laughs> that was great back in the day to see, and the fans loved it. So <laughs> they just require that to, to happen. Well, I, don't know. I can tell by some of the idea, <laughs> Dave, is some of the ideas they've proposed. They're open to just about anything. So send that one in, Dave. Good to talk to you. Thanks for the call. Let's go to another Dave before we take a break. Dr. Seuss wrote it, Too Many Daves, one of my favorite Seuss stories back in the day, but we can never have too many on the Joe Beaver Show. Dave, good afternoon. Hey, guys, that's not a real Dr. Seuss story, is it? Yes, Too Many Daves, absolutely. One of my favorites. Oh, wow. okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to look that up. Um, I just had uh, uh, one kind of quick thing. Um, the 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 heretics of the outfield uh, um, mm-hmm. idea are, are are many, but one thing that you you haven't touched on that I did it start uh, that rule would start to mess with something that makes baseball unique among all the sports. 
Um, and that is the uniqueness of every park. Uh, if you standardize outfield, then mm. why not just have standardized uh, yes. distances to yeah. the walls? In mm. which case, that you take away like the one thing that is totally unique in every sport, other than I guess golf. And I'd hate to see them start to mess with that really yes. uh, uh, amazing tradition of uniqueness. I agree with you. That's a great point, Dave. That is something unique. When you, whenever we do a basketball game or a football game. We don't talk about ground rules per se, or okay. Well, here at Gill, this basket down here is at eleven and a half feet, so you've got to adjust your shot. I mean, basketball and football have clearly defined boundaries and rules, and I get that's fine. But one of the unique aspects of baseball is the dimensions of each ballpark and some of the aspects of it. It's part of what makes the game unique in its special way. And come to think of it, uh, if they standardized that, you'd have less to talk to when you're trying to fill three hours. No doubt about that. Dave, thanks for the call. Right. Yeah, and check out Too Many Daves. We've got all. Is it Paul or, or all? There's, There's a P, a P there. So there's still so many letters, too many Daves, too many <laughs> no, letters. No. So it's Paul. Paul, good afternoon. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Oh, I'm glad you got that right, Mike. Thank that you. Is. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to go back to the, I think it was Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of how many strikes that uh, A.J. Carpenter threw? D.J. Carpenter and, well, I, I, I suppose, why, why are you asking? Well, because he threw 18 strikes in a row. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> it, well a couple of which, a couple of which. either swung and fouled it off or yeah, it was I got a you. strike or they swung and missed, but it was. 18 strikes. I mean, I've never seen a pitcher do that, ever. That, that's pretty impressive. And no, I, I guess because contact was mixed in right. or a, an out on a ground ball or a pop-up or whatever, it, it wasn't like 18 strikes in a row striking out everybody. So I, it, it was sort of lost on me, but that's an excellent point. That's the definition of pounding the zone. It's a great stat. Yeah. yeah absolutely is. We were just we were just counting them in the stand. And, you know, I look at Dave and I said, that. Ah, there's 15. Yeah. Uh, there's 15. I mean, it was kind of fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> Good for him. Thanks a lot, Paul. We need to take a break. Uh, that's a great we will. <clears throat> what about, speaking of strikes, we just kind of blew past the automated ball strike system coming as soon as 2024 well, it, in Major League Baseball. So, again, this, these are just, you say, well, I want to hear you. But just stop for a moment, think it through, and share your thoughts. In low A last season, a tracking system using optical cameras determined balls and strikes. It's being used in triple A this year. The automated strike zone is flatter and wider to combat the high fastball. Last season, batters hit 198 on fastballs at the top of the strike zone, 264 on fastballs elsewhere in the strike zone. So we may be moving inevitably to the automatic calls of balls and strike, an automated ball strike system with no umpire saying, yeah, that's a strike, that's a ball. No more uh, histrionics by Kyle Schwarber the other day. You won't see that ever again. Right. How do you feel about that? TJ tweeted, I don't remember when it was. It was funny. It made me laugh. Something along the lines of uh, help for Julio or like that. Because. He and others, not just TJ, because he's a Mariner fan, but others outside of the market mm-hmm. were showing the graph that shows the line and where each pitch went. Yes. And he was being called out on strikes for pitches that were clearly outside right. the box. I know. 
And so that reminded me of that. Is okay. What, what you're talking about no, reminded of course. me of that. And Adley with Greg Street. Okay, but let's just say all of that. I But what Dave said, this is what I'm asking. Dave says, I'd rather have Greg Street call a pitch six yeah. inches outside on Adley than go to automatic umpires because it's a price I pay for the human element. And Dave's right. Oh, I agree with it wholeheartedly. Let's take a break. Wholeheartedly. Let's take a break. We'll hear TJ's thoughts on this and more and yours. You want an automated strike zone, so this whole, well, that was a strike last night, or back in the fourth inning it was a strike, but it's not now. <laughs> That's you know, part I mean, of the game, though. It's part of the game. It's been part of the game forever, and I don't want that to go. I don't want to have an automated ball and strike. I'm just telling you, as a fan, I don't want it. If it comes, it's not a deal breaker any more than I suppose an outfield arc is a deal breaker, but I'd like to hear those of you out on, no, no, here's why it's a good idea. 497-5356-1240 Joe Radio. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project but have finally decided to take a leap and get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood, and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go be. Cracky Cards combines the worlds of sports, cards, and games to bring a fresh take on your local game store. Cracking Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, and more. If you're into sports cards and games, Cracking Cards is for you. OSU fans, Cracking Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box just for you. Cracking Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. CrackingSportsCards.com, your connection to everything fun. Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 73 years and is still here to help with all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating, cooling, and exhaust venting equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. Middleton offers several financing options for new equipment and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Give them a call or find them online at middletonheating.net. Chiefs Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids has the right tires for the right price for your Prius, Toyota, and all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Come see Dave's new tire expert, Eddie, with 27 years experience in the industry and save today with Dave's $60 off tire special. Need an oil change? Get $20 off your next oil service at Dave's Performance Hybrids. Off I-5 and Highway 20 in Albany, online at Dave's Performance hybrids.com the home of the oregon state beavers 1240 joe radio because it's greg maddox even fernando valenzuela when i saw him pitch live in person at portland's civic stadium or was it civic park I'm trying to remember now but at civic stadium in the summer of in in the summer of 1991 I called a game that Fernando was pitching for AAA Edmonton when the Angels signed him. It was 
one of the great thrills of my life. And 17,000 people showed up to Portland's Civic Stadium for a minor league exhibition game to see Fernando. He was still enough of a phenomenon. But he was getting pitches called by the home plate umpire that day because he was Fernando that were well <laughs> off his plate. And our the Beaver hitters, Portland Beaver hitters, were, you know, just turning and looking Bernardo Brito. Brito ended up hitting a 3-0 pitch. I said, if Brito gets green-lighted here in Fernando, he could do some damage. 3-0 pitch, belted to left, goodbye. <laughs> Bernardo crushed it. So I was conflicted there, rooting for my guy, Fernando, but yeah. against my team and Bernardo. But the point is, I like the human element involved in all of that. Who's pitching? Greg Maddox. Well, he's going to get that pitch, but Logan Gilbert, early in his career, Matt Brash may not. Right. Well, some of you may say, you know, that's a bunch of nonsense. Take that all out, and with an automated umpiring ball and strike system, all of that stuff goes away. So, here's a question. It was being uh, bandied about years ago on tennis. Did they ever make that change? Because they still have the guy in the chair, but calling the outs. The question is, did they ever make that change? We'll get to the calls in just a second. TJ, jump in here real quick. What well, do you got? They, they did, yeah. The uh, My mom texted me what it was. I forget what it's called. They did make that change. So it's uh, it's 100% um, automated? You know, 100% computer. Auto- computer, yep. Okay. They, were, they the removed tournaments? Yep. They okay. removed do we every, want that? Every bit of error. And I think, you know, I think it's good for tennis. One thing you guys uh, did not mention in terms of yeah. the human element, it removes how good catchers are, too. To frame. To frame. And Adley yeah, Rutschman's skill. That's a big part of their yeah. game. And there's a lot of catchers who the only reason they're still in the big leagues is, <laughs> is because they're, they're a very good defensive catcher. They can't hit a lick, but, you know, they'll throw guys out on the bases and they will make their pitchers a whole run better because they can still strike. That's a great value to me. It I don't is. want to take that out of the yeah. game either. That's helped separate Adley from others, his ability to do that. And that's, Scouts will tell you that. And that's why it's not unanimous across the Players Association to, to have an to, automated, to put an automated zone. strike zone because if that wasn't an element, then, of course, the hitters would be like, yeah, <laughs> I can't be getting rung up on something six inches outside. I need my numbers to look good so I can get paid a lot of money. Tony with uh, either Ken or Tim, we couldn't quite hear it, but uh, you're on deck. Ken or Tim, Tony, good afternoon. Hello, and thank you. Thank you. Uh, first time calling in this season. Uh, huge Mariners fan, have been since the early 90s when you can see him free on Channel 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple things. One, they do have a special program this year. You can get $10 tickets uh, to several games, and then you can buy the highest nosebleed ticket for as cheap as you can and then spend the whole game on the concourse. So the ticket <laughs> prices are not that bad, and you can get good seats for, for games on weekends on some of those ticket deals. Okay. Also, they have a $3 menu. You can get a soda and a hot dog uh, for 3 bucks each. There's other things on the menu, but the important stuff. Good. And then uh, free refills on the sodas uh, once you've paid for the first one. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they have like a $5 beer menu. Uh, 12 ounces are not the pint ones, but, but there's several places you can get deals and they have a happy hour, uh, just before the game starts that you can go. So you can go and have a great time and not spend a lot of money. Okay. Uh, I should give so a qualifier. That's good to hear. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I should nice give a qualifier. I, I agree. Baseball does the best job because maybe because there's so many games, right. uh, and they got to get more people in to come more often. I, I totally agree with you, Tony. Um, and my state was more for all of pro sports and college in many respects. It's just like, it's just getting out of control. How can you but, be the Oakland Athletics and raise ticket prices? Yeah, as you as you <laughs> well, described, right. though, there are those those deals, and I, I totally get yeah, that. That's ridiculous. And uh, my son and I went up last uh, season for the final weekend. 
we got really inexpensive hotel rooms right downtown with free parking. So once we were there, we mm-hmm. didn't spend any more money on, you know, we just walked everywhere. And they have lots of, of nightlife stuff. So as far as Mariners, you can't afford to go. Just plan on the, yeah. on the games to go to and you can go. On the new rules, the one that I really am excited about is banning the shift. Because of analytics in the last five years, they know within a square foot at 90% of the time you're going to hit here, mm-hmm. 89% of the time here, 88% of the time here. They put those infielders in those square spots. Yes. You don't have a chance. You can hit it 5 or 10 feet of one side or the other of where you normally hit it, and they're still going to get it. So by banning the shift, it's going to open it up for some players who are very consistent in their hitting. Tony, I got you. I I respect. That's why I'm not. I'm not going to. There's not. That's not a deal breaker to me. To me, the outfield arc and line. You can't start your positioning beyond this. I I just think is outlandish. But if you say banning the shift is is okay, and then two infielders on each side, is it okay for Travis Bazana for the Beavers or a second baseman? In the in MLB to be ten yards deep in shallow right, or does he have to? Are they going to make him start on the infield dirt so more line drives will get over his head? Well, I'm I'm what I don't want them to do is have in essence four outfielders being back on the grass. That's a that's a typical location. I'm okay with that. Having them out there, you know, fifty yards past the the grass. Just so you essentially have four outfielders, right. I, I am kind of against that. Okay. Um, the other piece is on on the on the shift piece is people who say just hit it the other way. Right. These pitchers are hit, throwing 103 miles an hour and know where their defense is, so it's going to be outside half of the plate. Right. You can't get around to bunt that the other way. You may not be able know, to. But in theory, so, what you're saying is, if the if the power argument you're offering, then it the chances of hitting the ball would be to the opposite field in the other way anyway. I mean, you you know what I'm saying? If a fastball is coming in 98 to 100, my chance of making a good swing and contact might be more to the opposite field, and I can beat the shift if I have the will to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I disagree. I, okay. I, I think that it's uh I, look at you're it. going to hit you're yeah. going to you're going to put your best swing on it and it's going to go where it's going to go trying to right. control it when the pitchers have so much control okay um i am i i totally agree with you on the the green line in the outfield that seems really silly and i hadn't heard that and i'm pretty dialed into baseball so that's a that's a new one and i bet that that's going to take a lot more uh analysis and discussion yes. Uh, yes. the other ones i think maybe a but but that one I don't think. Yeah, that was new to even T- young TJ, who I'm sure you enjoy his contributions of the show because oh, you guys are kindred yeah. spirits, and he's a bright, uh, attention to detail, passionate fan. I love his I love his look and view of the game, and we need it here. John and I do. I know that, and we appreciate it. But even TJ hadn't heard that about the outfield arc line, so that's something that maybe Manfred is just trying to slip through, <laughs> and Sports Illustrated has, uh-huh. has gotten a hold of it because that's the first I'd seen of that one in this SI article. Yeah, so I'm with you on that one, and I do really appreciate TJ's takes. Thanks a lot, Tony. Good to talk to you. Have fun. Yes, Thanks for the uh, information about the T-Mobile experience. Now, we're not sure. Is it Ken or Tim? Who is this? Ken, K-E-N, I'm here. Hey, Ken, good to have you on the show. What's on your mind? 
Uh, this whole rule thing, I know we could talk about this for hours, but this is what makes baseball great, right? Yes. Um, but I'm a traditionalist. I don't, but I will tell you this, and I think it's the difference between different levels of baseball when, that, when, when, the, when technology is, it's, that's actually what we're fighting, right? Technology on everything. Mm-hmm. Speed of the game and technology where coaches at their fingertips have these numbers and the, and the analytics, where, that's what's killing us. And then baseball tries to make the adjustment right, in the rules to combat the technology. Yes. So I will, I, I will tell you, though, I, I watch a lot of baseball. I get the MLB you know, package because I'm a big Dodger fan. Mm-hmm. I, the shift is killing the, the viewing experience. I can't tell you how many times. I was keeping track last year because it was funny with my wife. How many times these guys hit into the shift and are out and how that kills the, the momentum of a game. It just drives you nuts watching it. But Interesting. That being said, there's there's millions of rule changes that have been made in baseball, and there's there, you can go online. There's I think there's like 500 of them that have been made in the last 20 years. Hmm. Small little incremental changes, the, the height of the mound, and all these yes. different things. However, the, the the shift thing is a big deal, and I, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But there is one rule: if you were to, if I was the god of baseball, that I would change. And I, I'm hoping, Mike, because I think we're on the same line on traditional stuff that drives me nuts in a game, and I hear it in your voice too, is the check swing rule. I this drives me nuts. How many times a game, even college baseball? I'll bet you 15 or 20 times a game, a, a batter will check a swing, and it's either called a ball or a strike. But the the, the batter never really offers at the pitch where he's actually. Trying to hit the ball, right? I think if you if you were to get rid of that check swing rule and, and, and put it up to the home plate umpire, which by the way we should never get rid of because that's part of the game, right? The home plate umpire should be able to say he offered, he tried to hit the ball, right? Ninety nine times out of hundred, the batter is trying to stop his swing. That's not a good point. Swing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's the same rule as, and this drives you nuts in games too, when an offensive lineman in football. Barely flinches and they call the penalty, <laughs> and it doesn't cause the defense. I think, yeah, uh, you know, if you move on the offensive line and it doesn't cause the defensive player to move, yeah, to jump off sides, it shouldn't yeah. be a penalty. Because how many times a game does that stop something? Yeah, ten times. Yeah, it drives I, you nuts. You know the check swing thing. I, I think you're onto something there. That's interesting. But a batter is is showing you. Oh, I do. You know, I'm not intending to swing at this pitch, so it's no swing. You know, I, I can almost see how yeah. that could evolve into something if like they that. Pull back at all. On the other hand, though, right. you know, you're you're also punishing the pitcher for making such a a, 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 a tantalizing. It, there's balance in all of this. You throw the pitch, and I get a guy, oh, he starts to go. Did he hold up? No, he couldn't because that changeup was so devastating. You know what I mean? I mean, you you, well, so, you have to well, work, find a way to. Mean, but but, the, but, the, but the, I guess the argument is, did the, did the batter try to hit the yeah. ball or not? Yeah, I hear you. And I think yeah. that's how many times a game in college do you think the, 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 the home plate umpire has to decide or, or motion down? Right. How many times does the catcher point down? 15 or 20 times a day, a game, at least, I would say. It could be, except I mean, that's a pretty quick, I, I hear you, I, I get you, but I hear, but okay. I, but that doesn't add to game time, per se, or the, I, I, I says it, you say it drives you nuts, I'm not a big fan of all of that, but it happens quickly. You know, did he go around, no, happen, but, you know, did he swing, no, no you know, swing, one and two, the count. Right, 
Right. And I, I, I would bet you 99% of those pitches that the guy checks swings on are balls. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and the, and the right. reason and they're talking about adding offense, though. Right. You change this rule. There's there's 25 more pitches in a game that are a ball instead of a strike. Yeah. A lot of times they're balls in the dirt. Guy's on an 0-2 count. True. And he checks it. Right. True. Um, so I think if you're trying to increase the speed of a game, mm-hmm. that's a ball. It's ball four, or it's a ball. Then it it gets the batter now has an advantage. I hear you because he's got another ball on the count. I hear so. you, but I'm more. I'm such a fan of the craft of <laughs> pitching that if Kevin Abel throws a devastating 0-2 change, and he gets the guy, even if the guy tries to pull back at the end when oh. the bottom drops out of it, I think Abel should be rewarded for that pitch. I agree. I agree there, but I'll bet you if you look back at the rule books. Somebody in the 1920s, 30s, or 50s added the check check swing rule in. <laughs> okay, you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. somebody back that wasn't in the original rules. It probably says if the if the batter offers at the pitch, it's yeah. a strike. If he yeah. doesn't, it's a ball. And then they had to somebody had to tweak it sure. because the pitcher started throwing 90 miles an hour instead of 60, mm-hmm. <laughs> and guys couldn't make up their couldn't make up their mind quick enough to stop. Right? Yeah. Um, so somebody had to put that rule in originally for that to happen. So, Probably. Anyway, I just hey, want to give my two cents Thanks in. a lot. Great talking to you. Thank you, Ken. But along Ken's line, and sorry I didn't get this in quicker so you could respond, Ken, but the rule had to be put in at some point because you had, based on what Ken was saying, you have to determine when he's decided not to. And we always were taught, in Little League on up, whether you break your wrist, meaning move it over if your wrist rolls. I can't tell you how often I see right, right. check swings where I disagree with the call. Well, I know. It really looks but like the guy went. True, true. But Ken, Ken is leaning more towards favoring the hitter who, in his heart, didn't really want to well, swing agree, at that I agree pitch. with that. And that, therefore, he's not making an attempt to hit the ball. He's trying to stop from hitting the ball. Right. Therefore, the more often that than not, be they're ball. trying to stop themselves. because yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't even be a check swing. Right, exactly. But I also understand what you're saying which got me to thinking while you guys were talking, and that is most or many of what we're discussing today can really be boiled down to philosophy. In your, does your philosophy, whoever we're right. speaking to, is it traditional or is it not? Because to change, to be okay with doing away with the shift means I would think that you're not a traditionalist that, it's, it's too hard. See, it's like any sport. Anytime something gets too hard, well, we need to change the rules. Some can do it. Some can't. Well, that's part of the game. I disagreed with Ken. I understood, again, the spirit in which he was speaking. I hate false starts. I, I hate when I see a beaver lineman flinch. Well, then don't that, flinch. Don't flinch. It's I agree. because It is the rule, but it's also the... Uh, the edge rushers of the world, the Corey Stovers and the John McCartans or whomever, uh-huh. the, you know, uh, whomever we're talking about, or somebody even has their hand in the ground and trying to pen- get penetration. Uh-huh. If there's any kind of movement or hint at the snap, just before the snap, and that movement indicates the snap's about, to me, the onus is on the offense to not flinch, yes. even if that flinch is so minor. So the, I couldn't agree more. You know, you, the defense is is reacting to that movement, and if they penetrate or, or go, 
even if they don't, I still think it's it's and up to the offense. And that's to part not of play. the game because yes. that's cat and mouse in your mind. What the tackle's doing yes. and the defensive end is doing, and what they see, how they see the game progressing. And if one guy can out yeah. deke the other, right. and right. there are rules for both sides, you can't fake certain things on the defensive side mm-hmm. to get the guy to flinch. And so I, I wouldn't yeah, want no, that. I, I at understand all. his frustration. And a couple of texts have come yeah. in that I think are good about. Um, we do have one more break. Yeah. It's a short one that have come in about uh, the lines. Oh, the uh, umpire. Automated maybe not zone. so much on that, but maybe have it. And I agree with this. Some kind of a camera down the line that can see if something's foul or not. Now, one person wrote in to say that Stephen Kwan's home run would have been a home run. You can actually challenge that, but Coach Casey decided elected it's a, not to. It was to. a controversial moment in time, that's yeah. for sure. Anyway, we'll get to those texts. Thank you for your uh, contributions today. Anything else where we kind of started with the NFL draft, I have a note on one of our own who I'm, I was heartened to hear this. It encouraged me to hear it. We'll talk about that with respect to the draft you want to jump in on Thibodeau, whose name falls from the chart, should he? If you're an Oregon fan even, well, he didn't. <coughs> he came in as this phenom number one, I think number one recruit in the country, wasn't he, when he got yeah, up there? Yeah, he was. So, did he was he also fall a sh- number one draft pick. Did he fall short of that? What do you, what do you mean a number one draft pick? Not long ago, he was the number one guy Oh, that that's what wanted. I'm saying, yeah. But his, his stock, and the, every year there's somebody who's falling. Should he be, is my question. Now, and forget where he played ball. Oh, yeah, I hope he drops to the eight, you know, the right, seventh right, round right, or whatever. Right, no, right. no. I'm just saying, should he be? On what grounds should he be falling? Because he's interested in other things? Or there's just some the measurables, if they're all there, what is it? I mean, these are huge decisions for organizations. I get it. But he has fallen, and there are people saying that he's falling be- almost because there is this narrative out there that people without doing their own due diligence are, oh, yeah, Thibodeau, he cares more about other things. I'm not, we're not going to take him. Well, do they know that for sure? Let's take a break. 497-5356-1240, Joe Radio. It's spring, meaning more sun, warmer weather, and golf. Become a Spring Hill Golf Club member and enjoy all the benefits of the best 18-hole championship course in the Mid-Valley. At Spring Hill Golf Club, you'll save huge sums of money in comparison to other club memberships. Spring Hill never charges any assessments or additional fees as part of monthly dues. No surprises, just compare, and you'll see that a Spring Hill Golf Club membership is the best value around. Don't miss out. Golf season is here. Call Spring Hill Golf Club for more info or visit albany-golf. It's a party, and it's every Friday night at Highland Bowl. It starts at 10 and runs until 1230. Check out the black lights and glow and bowl to your favorite music. Thunder Alley includes unlimited bowling, shoes, and prizes for just 12 bucks. Call now and reserve your lane for Thunder Alley. Every Friday night from 10 until 1230. We set them up, you knock them down. Highland Bowl, Ninth Street, Corvallis. Hi, this is Mike and Anderson Jewelers reminding you the gold and silver market is still strong, so I'm still buying old gold jewelry and watches. Right now I'm paying cash for 10, 14, and 18 karat gold jewelry, sterling silver, antique and estate jewelry, and of course Rolex and Omega wristwatches. Anderson Jewelers is licensed by the state of Oregon and certified by the city of Corvallis to buy old gold, silver, and watches for nearly 25 years. Anderson Jewelers, 5th and Madison, downtown Corvallis. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that flowers are a beautiful way to make mothers feel loved and appreciated, and they're ready to help deliver them the best arrangement possible. 
Choose from Stargazer Premier's wide selection of Mother's Day flower arrangements and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time to the moms in your life. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of Mother's Day arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis. At the beginning of the hour, at the beginning of the show, when you're talking about Thibodeau mm-hmm. and the Sports Illustrated article, which uh, intrigues me to no end about them saying perhaps he has too many other interests. That That's a discussion in and of itself. But if he did, in fact, say at any point, I don't think coaches can teach me anything new, right. that is a major red flag of being uncoachable. And I, I can totally see a guy dropping from that sentence Yeah, alone. no, if he said it, I don't think that helps. If if the end goal, I want to be the 1-1, one, one. I want to be yeah. draft 1-1 one, one or 1-2 you know, or whatever, then who's ever advising him or maybe he's just making his own decision and being honest, there's nobody, there, I know my craft now and yeah. there's nothing any coach can teach me. That's a bad thing to say. First of all, it ain't true. That's why. He may think it is true, but it ain't. No, any player can be taught not. and learn. And, and you don't want to hear any no. player say that. Right. No, you that's don't. coming to your if, team. If he said it, I could see how stock would fall. Yeah. In that respect right. alone. But yeah. if of the other stuff, that's a completely different discussion of ridiculousness. John Wilner uh, wrote recently, Pac-12 outlook for the 2022 NFL draft, why day one matters, the quarterback void, comments from an ex-GM. Well, that ex-GM is Randy Mueller. And it's it's a a very good article on the Pac-12 hotline. There is a quarterback, Boyd, and Randy Mueller, a former NFL GM, Miami and New Orleans, runs a Seattle-based scouting service, Randy out of Linfield. Quote, the difference between out here and the schools in the east is the big guys, says Mueller. You watch some of those teams play on the lines, it's a different game. And the exodus of high school quarterbacks going other places Hasn't helped. Only one Pac-12 quarterback, writes Wilner, was picked last year, Davis Mills, in the third round, and the outlook is bleaker for this week's draft. But three quarterbacks who, uh, who who played elsewhere will probably be selected in the high rounds, and they're from the West. Brock Purdy, Gilbert, Arizona, Nevada's Carson Strong, Vacaville, Mississippi's Matt Corral, Ventura, California, Mueller. When you lose top quarterbacks in recruiting, and then you also lose them to transfers. You end up struggling, quote-unquote. On and on goes Mueller trying to, in a fairly typical Wilner article, and good, always good, trying to account for where the Pac-10 is, and it's not in a good place, and mm. Mueller is not in a golden age. However, he does get to other NFL prospects, and there are apparently four players who will be picked on day one. Kayvon Thibodeau, Drake London from USC, Utah mm. linebacker Devin Lloyd, Washington corner, Trent McDuffie, Mueller on other prospects in the league. He goes through UCLA's Greg Dulcich. He talks about Trent McDuffie. He talks about Devin Lloyd. He talks about Drake London. And the final guy that he talks about in, in Wilner, uh, Wilner's piece, Mueller talking about draft prospects from the Pac-12. Oregon State running back, B.J. Baylor. Mm. Mueller, quote, he's a sleeper. He didn't go to the combine. But he's 220 pounds and has a little juice. I see him as an effective NFL back. He jumped out to me on film. Interesting. DJ Baylor, good for him. That would be great. Good for him. And thanks, Randy Mueller, for that. That would be great. I saw the other day on Twitter or the text line, but I had seen it a week or two earlier, Ryan uh, Knoll to the Cowboys 
So that's uh, Ryan Nall, sorry, change, uh, change there for NFL talk. But I love the, the talk of B.J. Baylor getting more than just a, <clears throat> a little bit of look. Forgot about this one, Picard. You're right. Jacoby Ellsbury once hit a majestic homer that cleared the obstacle course and got to the street in Washington on maybe one bounce. So that's yeah. a good one, Picard. There's a lot of other texts coming he, he in. He also said he, yeah, the, 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 the UCLA Adley Rutschman that I saw, he's right about that one. Over the batter's eye by 20 feet at UCLA. Okay, we get one about, I, I don't want to see automated strikes and balls, but I could go with automated line calls on left and right field lines. Right, yeah. right, okay. right. I okay. agree with that. I could live with that. I really could. TJ, throwing more balls doesn't speed up the game. It does the opposite. Okay, so that on the half swing yeah. uh, conundrum. Ron says, as for balls and strikes, when I'd come back to the bench complaining after striking out looking, a coach would say to me, it's too close to take. Son, I added the sun, Ron, but thank you for the, uh, for the text. And that's right. We talk about, we say that all the time. That pitch is too close to take, but I will also say, doc, I get, I get the arguments on all sides of this. The Beavers, it, we had Ryan Gibson talk about this the other day. Were you here when he yeah. talked about, Oh, I heard when it. he said, we counted 50 pitches that our hitters took in a certain series or stretch that were called strikes when our TrackMan technology showed they weren't. Oh. And so we, so how do you get to the Beavers thrive on strike zone discipline and not going out of the zone and drawing more walks than anybody and using those walks to stimulate run production and get going? If you, So 50 is a high number. It's too high to tell them to start making some changes on those. CVB, I like it. Uh, he said, May, I think CVB says, with respect to the outfielders, uh, you know, let's use leg irons. They have to, yeah. outfielders have to wear leg irons, and that will increase doubles and triples. <laughs> that are too short. <laughs> so they're, hey, listen, thanks, everybody. No more, this is it. Well, if this is it, that was it. Baseball no more tomorrow. shows this week. See you soon. KEJO Corvallis. And translator, K229DI Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.